0: Living well in a broken world. Um, There's one thing I think that we know uh, is right, and that is, and you'll see it on the screen, loyalty is the characteristic of never giving up, never quitting, no matter how tough things get, no matter how much in despair we are, I can tell you that loyalty is a rare and precious commodity in our world today. In our world today. But every now and then, we will see or hear a story, and we see the loyalty and the commitment behind it. Alexandra and Leola Vance, they had made a life together, 64 years together. They met while they were building barges in 1941 for the military. So Alexandra was 20 years old and Leola was 16 and they took to each other. Leola said that uh, his personality and the twinkle in his eye caught her attention. Alexandra said he loved everything about Leola, and on December the nineteenth of nineteen forty-one, they married. Alexandra worked for Alma Products for forty years, and he retired from there as a general foreman. Leola stayed at home caring for the children that she would bear for Alexandra and was a homemaker. After several years of retirement, Alexandra began to have and exhibit the um, characteristics of Parkinson's, Parkinson's disease, and before long, he was carried to a nursing home. And then a few short months later, Leola was diagnosed, diagnosed with Alzheimer's and she began to complain about headaches and come to find out she had an aneurysm, one that was inoperable, and she too went to the nursing home. Their son, Phil, t- tells it this way, "'It was almost like my mom and dad were running a race together.'" They always wanted and said that they would go together. Alexandra Vance died at 945 on a Wednesday morning. That evening, the family gathered around Leola's bed when she took her last breath. They died on the same day, 14 hours apart after 64 years of marriage. And Phil again said it best. This was a beautiful story of love and loyalty. I would guess in those 64 years that they had experienced a lot of heartache and trials and tribulation in their marriage but loyalty and commitment played out to each other. Unfortunately, those words today aren't as meaningful in our culture as they once were. My father-in-law, he worked for the same company over 30 years. The same company over 30 years before he retired. A survey was done recently, and it said that college, the average college graduate Benjamin, close your ears. The average college graduate has five jobs before they are age 28. Did you hear that? In fact, the survey shows that our younger generation, our Gen Z's, millennials, have very little commitment to jobs they look for the next best thing. Or if their feelings are hurt in this job, they look for something else that might satisfy or wet their taste. Relationships, the survey shows, are the same way. It is why there are so many that are living together instead of marriage because the commitment of marriage means that they might have to stay longer than they really want if something comes up that is better or looks better or, again, someone hurts their feelings, uh, they can jettison that relationship for another. And then there's the commitment to God. Commitment to the church, even for regular churchgoers, has somewhat followed culture. If... Someone is hurt or some feelings are hurt or someone in the church may say something or you've heard the pervivial. I didn't like the color of the carpet, so I'm leaving to go to another church. We see that commitment wanes over sometimes just trivial things. Did you know that membership gains in the church today there are larger membership gains by transfer of membership over profession of faith and in fact today many churches are jettisoning the idea of membership why because it means that you're asking someone to have an obligation And people don't like obligations. And if we ask them to commit to a membership at our church, it means that they may go somewhere else because we've asked them to make a commitment. I could take you to a number of churches right now that has jettisoned membership roles for the sake of just pleasing the masses. I could go on about relationships, but I want, but I do want to give you an example. You can undo your ears now, Benjamin. I'm using Benjamin because he, he's just started State, and I know Emma's starting uh, soon in a, in a college, but, um, you know, there is so much that just goes on on the, the campus. Uh, so a college um, a student walked into a photography office, and he had a framed picture, and and he told the man behind the counter, he says, I wanna get a duplicate copy of this picture of my girlfriend. And the guy said, Well you've gotta take it out of the frame and he did and he handed the picture to the man behind the counter and So the man turned the picture over. He saw that there was some writing on it, and here's what it said. Dear Tom, I love you with all of my heart. I love you more and more each day. I love you forever and forever. I am eternally yours. Signed, Diane. I'm sure it's not our Diane. Diane. And then it contained a P.S. P.S. If we ever break up, I want my picture back. Now, how many of you will raise your hand and say that Diane was committed to Tom? Don't think so. I don't think so. Real commitment means that we are committed and we are in for the whole. It is a highly prized commodity in our society today. And unfortunately, we do not see a lot of it. God loves commitment. I want to repeat that. God loves commitment. He wants us to be committed in every way, loyal to him in every way, and loyal to one another. Maybe that's why he had this particular section that is in the book of Ruth. If you have your Bibles and want to follow along, we're in chapter 1 still. And we are in Ruth, and I'll be reading verses 14 through 18. Listen to what this passage has to say. And they lifted up their voices and wept again, and Orpha kissed her mother-in-law, but Ruth clung to her. Then she said, Behold, your sister-in-law has gone back to her people and her gods, Return after your sister-in-law. But Ruth said, Do not urge me to leave you or to turn back from following you. For where you go, I will go. Where you lodge, I will lodge. Your people shall be my people, and your God my God. Where you die, I die, and there I will be buried. Thus may the Lord do to me, and worse, if anything but death parts you and me. When she, being Naomi, when she saw that she was determined to go with her, determined to go with her, she said no more to her. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Let's pray. Father, may the words of my mouth and the meditation of all of our hearts be acceptable and pleasing in your sight, for you are our strength and our redeemer. I pray, Father, that you would illuminate our hearts and minds this morning through this, your holy word. We pray this in your name. Amen. This is the second sermon in Living Well in a Broken World. And so Bill preached last week on revival. And so two weeks ago, we started uh, this uh, sermon series in Ruth. And, um, and, and these are the three things that I talked about just to refresh your mind, uh, not preaching that sermon again, just to, to refresh your mind. And the first was keeping God's covenant. That foundation that God has called us to, that foundation in his word, the foundation in our faith as we walk with him can never be compromised and if we're going to live well in a broken world, we have to live into that commitment, that covenant that God has made in the redemption of us, our rescue, our reconciliation back to him. Secondly, we know that as forgiven and reconciled sinners, we still sin, that there are times that we fail God. And that was the second piece two weeks ago was returning to the Lord. In other words, confession and repentance needs to be a part of our walk with Christ. When the Holy Spirit convicts us of sin, don't wait to ask, confess and ask for forgiveness. And then finally, that third piece that we talked about two weeks ago was letting go with a blessing. And in Ruth 1:8, Naomi tells Ofra and and Ruth, "Go, return to your mother's." And so she does with a blessing. She says, "May the Lord bless you in your going. Deal with you kindly in your going." And then she says, "May you find rest." in the household of your husband. In other words, the husband that you will find. And so we see these three parts of living well in a broken world, keeping God's covenant, returning to the Lord, and letting go with a blessing. And so now Naomi is heading out. She is leaving Moab, and she's going to return to Bethlehem in Judea. or and Ruth are following her and Jewish tradition has it that they are about four miles out of town. I don't know, maybe during that four-mile trip out of town, maybe they were thinking, maybe Naomi was thinking, you know, it's just not fair for these girls to go with me. They need to stay here with their families. They don't know anything back, you know, in Bethlehem. Uh, They are Moabites. They're not uh, Israelites. And, And so she implores them in verse 12 and in verse 13, "'Return, my daughters,' she says." you know i've had it hard the the lord has has hand has come against me maybe you shouldn't come with me maybe you would be best off if you were to stay here maybe that's what she was thinking as they trekked out of town and as she told them they needed to return back the hand of the lord as she felt had been against her her husband had died her two sons had died they had gone to a foreign country that worshiped false gods they had gone so because of a famine in their own land that was spreading everywhere and here she finds herself by herself only with these two daughter-in-laws and now she is sending them away and so our text this morning picks up with, and they lifted up their voices and they wept again. And here, Orphra kissed her mother-in-law, kissed Naomi, and she left. She returns back to her family. An interesting fact. Rabbinic tradition has it that Orpha later married and had four sons. And the youngest of those four sons was Goliath. Think about that. And especially think about it in light of Ruth's lineage as we get to that. That's rabbinic tradition. It's not scriptural. Ruth clings to Naomi, her mother-in-law. And Ruth, you know could have gone back you know Naomi says look your sister in law has gone back to her family you need to go back but Ruth says don't urge me to do that don't make me do that i am committed i i'm i have loyalty to you and then we hear some of some of the most beautiful words of loyalty as we read the rest of verse 16 and 17. I don't know if you have heard of the word targum. Targum is a translation of parts of the Hebrew Bible into Aramaic. Um, most targums are not literal translations. They have Phrases that are incorporated and commentary that is inserted to help the oral uh, uh, translation of the Hebrew Bible uh, so that it makes a little bit more sense to the hearer. And so I I looked up these verses, and I just find it so interesting and, and fascinating to hear what the Targum says when you read these verses. Listen to how the conversation in the Targum goes between Ruth and Naomi. And and I quote, And Ruth said, Entreat me not to leave thee, for I desire to become a proselyte. And Naomi said, We are commanded to keep the Sabbath and all other holy days and not to travel more than 2,000 cubits from our homes. And Ruth said, Whether thou goest, I will go. And Naomi said, "And, And we are commanded not to lodge with Gentiles. And Ruth said, Wherever thou lodgest, I will lodge with thee. And Naomi said, and we are commanded to observe 113 precepts. And Ruth answered, what thy people observe, that I will observe. As if they had been my people from old. And Naomi said, we are commanded not to worship any stranger or any false gods. And Ruth says, thy God shall be my God. Naomi said, we have four kinds of capital punishment for criminals, stoning and burning and beheading and hanging. And Ruth said, in whatsoever manner thou diest, I will die. And Naomi said, but but we have a house of burial. And Ruth answered, There I will be buried also. End quote. Talk about loyalty. Ruth was loyal. All the way through to death she was loyal of Naomi and she did exactly what she professed and said that she would do when we think of loyalty we often think of faithfulness a commitment obligations we think of allegiance or fidelity in relationship which which implies there there is a duty a devotion to something or someone and that is a fact Proverbs 21:21 21, 21 reads this way: He who pursu- pursues righteousness and loyalty finds life, righteousness and honor. Loyalty, loyalty connotes more than just a feeling of devotion. When we live well in a broken world, We have to walk in loyalty. This morning, I want to look at this into two ways and just look at this this passage of loyalty to Ruth in uh, the over kind of arching view of the great commandment. And that is, as you know, love God and love your neighbor. And I think that we see this in this particular passage of where Ruth, says, your God will be my God. God has arrested her heart. God has given her a different perspective of what she had once lived in, her false gods that she once served. And and now she says, your God will be my God, and I will be loyal to you in all things. And so this first one that I want to look at is, to love god to live in a live well in a broken world is to love god is a call to action many christians feel content with loving god or may feel content in the the love of god's word but i will tell you i am glad that god just doesn't feel love for me god took action Because of his love for me, God took action. He is faithful. He gave from the minute that mankind failed, God began his redemptive plan. The seed of woman will crush the head of the serpent. God's plan of action was put in place. And as we read scripture, we see it begin to unfold. And scripture tells us at the appointed time, God sent his son. It was God's timing, not our timing, not anyone else's. At that appointed time, his son came. His son was sacrificed for the sins of the world. He acted and he was faithful. Committed to redeem those who he calls, those who come to faith, belong to Jesus. Psalm 33, verse 4. For the word of the Lord is upright, and all of his work is done in faithfulness. All of God's work is done in faithfulness. God is faithful in what he has said he would do. And you can extrapolate that out all the way to the end. God is going to be faithful in everything that is to come. He will be faithful that has been prophesied. Psalm 119 verse 90 your faithfulness, talking about God's faithfulness, your faithfulness continues through all generations. That's us, folks. All generations, you establish the earth and it stands. Because we have come to faith in Jesus Christ, he calls us to action. Not just a feeling. Not just, let me show up. He calls us action. He calls us to go. He calls us to the gospel. As baptized believers, we are called to worship the Lord, have a commitment in our worship, never forsaking our worship of the Lord. We are called to grow in our faith so that we have a foundation in him. We are called to serve others, He gives us spiritual gifts for the purpose of serving in the kingdom and causing growth in the kingdom of God. But so often, I will tell you that many, and it may not be you, but there are many within the church that have spiritual gifts. And they will say, look, I've got the spiritual gift of hospitality, but they never use it. Or God comes calling and says, I need you to do this. And you say, wait a minute, God. That's just inconvenient. I've got other things that I've got planned. I started the study of Jonah, and yes, we have done Jonah before on Wednesday night, but just taking a different look and a different twist a little bit as we move through the rest of the summer months before we begin Wednesday night supper, mid-September, and, and I shared on, um, on Wednesday night that um, I bet Jonah had plans that day. You know, this, this story of Jonah only took place over just a, a, probably at most a couple of weeks. It Could have been just a, a, a series of days. But I bet Jonah got up that morning and he had decided, okay, I'm to prophesy to the northern kingdom to Israel, and so I'm going to go tell them that the Lord's going to destroy them unless they come back to him. And, and then I'm going to go get lunch with my homies, and then I'm going to grab grab me a, a glass of wine, and I'm going to go sit and watch the sunset. He had plans that day. I guarantee you he had plans. But all of a sudden, God said to Jonah, Hey Jonah, you know that city, Nineveh. Yeah, that city that's the enemy to, to Israel, uh, that wretched city. Y- you, you know that city, Jonah. I want you to go over there and preach. What? <laughs> Nineveh? Got to be kidding, Lord. I've got plans today. This is inconvenient, Lord. And who in the world would ever go preach to those wretched people? He had plans, but God had other plans. Did you know in the whole four chapters of Jonah, and I mentioned this Wednesday night, there is only one verse. This is a prophet. In fact, this is the only prophet that is written about his actions, not about his prophecy too. There's only one, one verse in the entire book of Jonah that is prophetic. And that verse is verse 314. It's when Jonah says, You've got 40 40 days, guys. 40 days to repent or destruction's coming. That's the only prophetic message. Everything else is about Jonah and his relationship, his commitment to the Lord. And so Jesus calls us, to deny ourselves, to live into the commitment that we say we have to him, to die to self and all else. We are committed to the Lord. He has been faithful and committed to us. And he calls us no matter how inconvenient it may be or even in our lacks of wants to do his will, to follow his way. Because his way is perfect. We are called to be loyal. Yesterday I was reading Oswald Chambers. And I want to read a portion of that. So we are called in our faith to be faithful to God. To grow up in our faith. To be growing toward and living into sanctification. Listen to what Oswald Chambers says. And you know this verse if anyone comes after me, he must, um, after me, and does not hate his own life. He cannot be my disciple. And then Chambers, and that's Luke 14, 26. And Chambers says, in the process of sanctification, the Spirit of God will strip me down until there is nothing left of myself. And that is a place of death. Am I willing to be myself and nothing more? Am I willing to have no friends, no father, no brother, no self-interest, simply to be ready for death? That is the condition required for sanctification. No wonder Jesus said, I did not come to bring peace, but a sword. This is what the battle comes to where so many of us have faltered. We refuse to be identified with the death of Jesus Christ on this point. We say, but this is so strict. Surely he does not require this of me. Our Lord is strict, and he does require this of us. Am I willing to reduce myself down to simply me. If we have anything else that becomes our loyalty over Christ and our commitment and loyalty to Him, we need to set it aside. Living well in a broken world means that we use every gift... We use all that God has given us. We live into God's economy, not ours. It's not about us. It's not about self. It's about God. And as we live into that, we will find that we are living well in this broken world. We see the church today in many denominations that are rendering themselves to culture. Loyalty to God and his word, they feel, is optional at best. And besides, culture tells us that we get to decide the truth and what that truth is. Uh, During vacation, I read this book, Albert Moeller Jr. It's The Gathering Storm, Secularism, Culture, and the Church. I would um, endure this to you if you are a reader and would like to read that. He talks about how secularism and culture has invaded the church over decades. I mean, he starts back at 1930 and looks forward, and he talks about this last decade of our existence. And the book was written in 2020 during the election cycle between Trump and Biden. And, and he, it is just so interesting as he weaves how culture and secularism has invaded the church. how truth, God and God's word has walked out the door because we have jettisoned that in many cases within the church. Ruth denied herself, denied her family, denied her home. All of those things that scripture tells us we have to look at, but God has to come above that. And she says, I pledge that I will serve God. God is faithful. She was faithful in her relationship and lives that relationship out for the Lord and we will see for Naomi. God's love to us is a call to action. And we have to realize our commitment, and our loyalty to God as we walk in this broken world. Finally, um, living well in a broken world calls us also to walk in loyalty in regard to our neighbor. It is a call to bear the truth. Ruth bore the truth in her heart to her mother-in-law. Uh yeah, I will follow you, I will lodge with you. I will, your people will be my people. Your God will be my God. I will care for you. I will die with you. Wherever you're buried, bury me with you. She didn't pull any punches. She didn't uh, commit to anything of her past, but God is working in her heart, and God is calling her to be faithful to this woman and ultimately, To be faithful to him. God calls us to be faithful to those around us. And that does not mean that we are faithful in laying the truth aside. It doesn't mean we condone sinful behavior. Loving our neighbor is sharing and bearing the truth. Speaking truth in love. Ephesians 4.15. Billy Graham had a saying that he would often say, and he said, if you want to share the most precious gift in loving your neighbor, that gift is the gospel. Sharing the gospel with one another. 1 Peter one twenty two. since you have... In obedience to the truth, purified your souls for the sincere love of the brethren. Firmly love one another from the heart. God touched Ruth's heart. She was no longer had a desire. She was no longer going to cling to that sinful, this idolatry within her old life. But she would worship God. She was committed now to the God of Israel. She would be loyal to Naomi, and we will see this play out in Ruth's life. It was a call by God to be faithful. It was a call to be committed. It was a call of loyalty to Naomi, her mother-in-law, and how precious we see her life play out I mentioned what the Jewish tradition was for her sister-in-law, that Goliath would be a son. In Ruth's case, Ruth's son, Obed, was the father of Jesse, which was the father of David, which we see in the patriarchal line, Jesus, down the road. Ruth was chosen in this line of the Messiah to come. God had his will and his way and his purpose, and Ruth lived into that. And her loyalty and commitment to her Lord grew as she lived out this life. Folks, there is no P.S. postscript in our life given to God. If we are baptized believers, if we are believers in the Lord Jesus Christ, if we have love of God and and love for others, we belong to Christ. We can never, ever break up with him. We are his and he is ours and it's forever. And so there is no postscript. If this doesn't work out, God, I'll just go back to my old life. If that's the commitment you have, you never gave your life to the Lord to start with. Because having that commitment to God is a forever commitment. And when God calls us to action, there is no standing still. There is no refusals. This means that we walk with him and we know that he equips those who he calls. He is not going to leave you hanging. I will promise you he will not keep you hanging if you answer his call. It means being loyal to him and to others. To bear the truth in love as we walk in a broken world. The only question we can ask is how are we doing, church? How are we doing? Let's pray. Father, thank you again for this passage, and we thank you for your faithfulness to us. I thank you, Father, that you continue to use us and call us for the purpose of your will in ministry for the church. You've given us gifts, and Father, you have asked us to serve you and to serve others, to be committed, to be loyal to you, and and our loyalty to you has to come above all else. All else. The world will press in, but Father, you will guard us. You will put a hedge of protection around us. Oh Father, thank you for your love, your grace, your mercy that you show us each day, and Father, may we live into the call that you have on our life, committed and loyal and always to all things that you call us to.